0: Welcome back, everyone. I am extremely happy to be filming one final episode of Tapes from Beyond. I'm sorry that this episode has been a little delayed, but it will all make sense in a few moments. First, I would like to play a voicemail for you that I received on October 6th at roughly four in the morning. Uh, Alina, this is, uh, this is James, it's, uh, it's,
1: uh, Jack's dad, um. Uh, She came home uh, last night, and uh, uh, she's sleeping right now, but uh, 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 I thought it'd be good for her to see a friendly face when she woke up. Um, Please let me know. Uh, Bye.
0: Jack's back, and she's safe. Needless to say, she's been spending some time recovering. We've been in pretty constant contact, and she'd been insistent that she wanted to do one more episode of the show, but for reasons that will remain private, she was not comfortable being on camera yet. After some discussion, we came to the conclusion that what would be best for everyone involved would be for her to write down her story and have me read it to you. So without further ado, here is Jack's story. Hey everybody, Jack here. Sorry, I'm sure you would have rather seen me on camera or maybe never known I was back at all. I mean, running away to a haunted town while leaving my own spooky tape seems like the perfect ending to a scary podcast to me. But alas, I survived. I don't like thinking about that town, but if it weren't for all of you, I would still be trapped in it. So I owe this to you, I owe it to Jim Wallace, Matthias Deja, Graficial Griff, Ali459, Trombone, Go Green Ranger, all the people on the Vehemence Discord channel, and every single person who watched or listened to this show. It probably doesn't seem like it, but I am in a better place now than I have been since I was nine years old, and that is thanks to everyone I just listed. If I didn't tell you my story, I don't know that I could forgive myself. I guess I'll start from when I broke into my sister's house, which I still feel awful and embarrassed about. But I didn't have any other way. Oh, as a quick aside, if anyone cares, my sister and I are good now. I mean, maybe good is too strong of a word, but we're on our way to being good. When I got out, she was the first person I called. I apologized to her, and she apologized to me. Why did she apologize, you ask? Well, I'm kind of surprised no one caught this. But hearing tape K was an eye-opening experience for her. When you were interviewing her, Lena, she said that our mom's last words to her were, take care of your sister for me. But in the tape... You can clearly hear her say, take care of the family for me. This is Lena speaking for myself real quick. I did go back and listen to the interview and tape K and Jack is right. I can't believe I missed that. Now back to Jack's letter. Don't get me wrong. This didn't make Maria suddenly believe my mom and my side of the story but it proved to her that even she could be wrong about stuff. One last thing about my family before I go on. I am staying with my brother, and he wants me to tell Andy sucks that whoever they are, they're an asshole, and he's not a psychopath or anything. So anyways, after I found and listened to the tape... I drove straight to your house, Lena. I was still pissed that you had talked to my sister, so I wanted to shove it in your face that the trap man was real, and that I wasn't making any of this up. I walked up to your door and raised my hand to knock, but froze. The whole way over to your house, I was thinking of the perfect badass thing to say to really stick it to you. I settled on something absolutely nasty. I practiced the line one last time before I knocked on your door when it hit me what I was about to do. I was really taken aback at what I was about to say. I'm ashamed I even thought of it honestly, which is what made me realize this wasn't me. This is not who I am. I realized this fucking town was still controlling me. I don't mean in the literal sense, I mean my obsession was forcing me to do things I would never do under any other circumstance, which is why I stopped, I got back in my car, drove to the motel I was staying at, and cried for about two hours. We're talking ugly crying, curled in a ball and puking in the sink kind of crying, Over two decades of fear and anxiety and trauma and loss and grief all came pouring out in that moment. I finally had the answers I was looking for. Well, most of them anyways. And nothing else. No family. No friends. No job. Nothing. When I finished crying, I slept for an entire day. Then I woke up and decided I needed to do something. I knew that town probably had my mother, so I decided to try and get her back. I drove a long, long way, and eventually I got off the freeway and stopped at a little gas station on the outskirts of town. I can't help but think it was the exact same gas station Adam stopped at in tape A. It was just like he described, Empty of people, but full of stuff. And there was a spinning rack for greeting cards that had a single card on it. The front had the name of the town over a picturesque photo of a lake. And on the back was written, Welcome home, Jack. It's been a long time coming. The handwriting matched the envelopes the tapes were sent in exactly. I ripped the card up, grabbed a map, and walked out. I didn't even try my car. I just started walking into town. I began my long walk into town, and after a while, I came up to a fork in the road. If I went left, it is the most direct way into town, but I also had to go past the woods. If I went right, I would wrap around the lake and come up the backside of the town. I know what Adam said about that being an unknown quantity, but... Unlike him, I would rather risk that than the thing from the woods. I walked around the lake, and eventually I came up to this burnt-down hotel that has a dock with a little rowboat. So I boarded that and went across the lake. When I eventually landed in a park, according to the map, the bowling alley wasn't too far away, so I started to walk over there. The town was exactly how Adam described it, a resort town that looks like one day everyone just got up and left. Some of the doors were boarded up or chained shut. Everything looked like it had been sitting and rotting for a while. It looked like the ghost of a charming little town your rich aunt has a summer home in. There was one key difference in our experiences, however. I never felt alone in there. Out of the corner of my eye, I would always notice a blind close or a person move. And when the wind was low, I could swear I heard people whispering. The kind of thing you think you see or hear when you're scared or alone in the middle of the night but when you get up to check it out, nothing is there. By the time I got to the bowling alley, I was about to lose it. I didn't want to be stuck in there like Adam, but I just needed to get away from that feeling of being watched. When I rounded the corner and saw the bowling alley for the first time, I almost tripped over myself. It was so bizarre actually seeing it. It was indescribable. Plus, at this point, there was no mistaking that there was something following me. The whispers were loud enough that I could almost make out words, and the shuffling sounds of someone moving were getting louder and louder. So I decided to run to the bowling alley, When I got up to the door, I pulled on the handle, but it was locked. I was so sure that it was going to be open that when I yanked on the handle and it didn't budge, my hand slipped off, and I fell down hard. My head hit the pavement, and in that very moment, I heard the sound of a car suddenly screeching on its brakes, and I swear I saw headlights. I covered my face and braced for impact, But nothing happened. Then I heard a thump and a terrible yelp echo from down the street. I pulled myself up and went to investigate the sound. So I go in the direction of the noise, and I could see something in the middle of the street. I ran up to get a closer look. There's a pack of dogs, and... They were eating the carcass of another dog that looked like it had been run over by a car. I found a rock in the road and I threw it at them to get them to scatter. They all looked up at me. Which is when I realized there was something wrong with these dogs. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but they looked wrong. I started to run away from them and they began chasing me. I spotted an alleyway that was closed off by a barbed wire fence. I hopped the fence, but one of the dogs was able to bite my leg. And I felt teeth sink in from all four sides of its mouth. I managed to cut my arms up even worse, climbing the fence. As soon as I hit the ground, one of the dogs was trying to push his face through a small gap at the bottom of the fence. It was cutting its face up along the sharp edges of the chain link. But it didn't seem to notice. I got back up and started running. And when I got out into the street, I noticed there was one other building that was also lit up. I ran to it, and when I got to the doors, I realized it was a hospital. I burst through the door and fell to the floor. To my shock, as soon as I fell through, I heard someone yell, Oh my, are you okay? And before I knew it, I was being helped up by a couple of nurses. The last thing I was expecting in this building was to find other people, so the whole experience was extremely disorienting. The nurses called for a doctor and they helped me up onto a gurney and strapped me in tight. I told them to shut the doors that there was a pack of wild dogs out there. They asked if there was something wrong with the dogs. I said yes. They looked like monsters. And they gave each other a concerned look. Now, strapped to the gurney, they started wheeling me in deeper to the hospital. The lobby of the hospital could have passed for normal. Like, it was still old and decrepit, but... I've been in businesses that were still active and in worse condition. However, when I got a better look at the people, I realized something was very wrong about this place. They were pretty well covered with PPE, but the parts of their faces I could see were wrong. Their skin was off colored and their eyes looked too big. Their faces bulged beneath their gear in an unnatural way. And when they talked, the mask didn't move up and down in the middle like you would expect, but rather on one side of their face or the other. And sometimes it would switch. They started wheeling me back to a room and my head was strapped in pretty tight. Every couple of feet, an overhead light would blind me. I asked them what was going on, and they said I was losing a lot of blood, so they needed to take me back immediately. I asked them why I was strapped down, and they just told me I needed to calm down. As anyone who has been told to calm down can attest, that had the opposite effect. Things kind of escalated, and then they injected me with something. I woke up some undetermined time later and I was in a padded cell. I could hear voices outside my room. There was one of the nurses from earlier talking to someone else. I heard them talking about how I was hysterical and how they were worried about me. My legs and wrists had been bandaged and they had dressed me in a hospital gown. Eventually, one of them came to the door. And they said that I was having a psychotic episode and that they needed to keep me in here for my own safety. I told them that was bullshit and they needed to let me go. They refused unless I would sign some paperwork, admitting I was insane. And then, and only then would they let me out of the room. I told them to go fuck themselves and then eventually, they would leave me alone for the night. This went on for a very long time. Every day, they would slide food through a little gate on the floor. Every evening, one of those fucked-up-looking doctors would slide open a little eyehole and try to convince me to sign off on the paperwork. And every night, a guard with a guard dog would come through the halls and check on each room. It went on like that for months Every single day, someone would come through and try and make me believe I was insane. And by all intents and purposes, they were right. I could not rationally explain this situation. Every little detail about this place was designed to make me feel horrible. When the doctor was trying to convince me to sign the paperwork, they would tell me not to feel bad, that this sort of thing was genetic, so it wasn't my fault. The food they would slide through the door was rotten, and when I got desperate enough to eat it, I had to carefully pick through it all to find any pieces that weren't going to make me sick. The guard was so cruel to his dog, and he was always yelling at him and yanking on his choke chain. I could hear the guard kicking him after every room. There were so many times where I almost gave in where I almost just signed the paperwork and gave up. There's no way of knowing, obviously, but I think if I signed that paperwork, if I gave in to the idea that I was insane, the town would have won. The only reason I didn't give in was because of you, Lena, and our listeners. The entire time we've worked on this, this show was a safe place for me. No one ever doubted me. No one accused me of making it all up for attention. Everyone just wanted to help. My whole life, everyone who knew my story thought I was crazy. Except for all of you. That gave me the strength to keep pushing on. To believe in myself. God, it sounds so cheesy when I say it out loud, but I don't care. You all saved my life. I would find little ways to keep myself sane. I could slide open the eye hole and I could see a clock and a calendar on a wall. I would train myself to try and count a perfect minute in my head. I would look at those dates on the calendar and try and remember anything that happened on those dates in my past. I almost kind of enjoyed picking through the food, trying to find the good bits. It's kind of ironic, really, but the town had been training me to deal with trauma my whole life, and I was now effectively using that training against it. It took me a week to get my head on right, but when I did... I started developing a plan of attack. The guard would come at the exact same time every night, 9.08 p.m. He would always come, look in through the eye slot. His dog would sniff through the food gate on the bottom of the door. Then he would double check the lock and leave. My plan was to wait for a day when the meat from my meal wasn't rotten. Then I would keep it until nightfall and leave it by the gate to distract the dog. I would crouch down by the gate and wait. Then, when the dog was distracted, I would grab his leash and yank the guard's arm, hopefully pulling him to the ground. At that point, I was going to try and get his keys, and unlock my door to escape. I suppose I should explain something real quick. I don't know if this is normal for these types of places, but this place had a keyhole on the inside as well as the out. I assume so the doctors or whomever could lock themselves in. The only flaw in my escape plan was the meat was always rotten. Days turned into weeks, turned into months. I thought that day was never going to come. Until the one day that it did. October 5th. That morning, there was just enough of non-rotten whatever kind of meat they were feeding me that I could squirrel it away for the evening. That night, when the guard came by, I squatted down beneath the door and dropped the meat down for the dog. It started happily chewing away on the piece and I heard the guard yell out, we got one missing, followed by, Jack be And at that moment, I reached through the gate and unhooked the dog's chain "'then pushed my feet against the door "'and yanked on it as hard as I could. "'I heard the guard yell out a terrible scream, "'and he yanked back on the leash, "'pulling it out of my hand. "'At this point, the dog must have realized he was free "'because he jumped up and attacked the guard. "'The guard fell to the floor "'and started rolling around trying to fight off the dog. "'In the scrum, I was able to reach through the door "'and get the guard's keys. "'I unlocked the door, and slammed it open against the guard's body. I did this a few more times, then ran off into the hospital. I had no idea where I was going. I could hear the staff yelling after me, so I just ran the opposite direction of the yelling. I came to a staircase that led downstairs. So I took that and ended up in the basement. I could hear that someone had at least followed me into the stairwell. And I didn't see any other way out of the basement, so I knew I had to hide. I went into the first room that door was unlocked, which was the morgue. I heard the stairwell open, and I heard the guard's voice, and I could hear his dog's nails against the tile. I heard a shout, then a thud, and a yelp as he kicked his dog for some random reason. And then I heard him starting to unlock and look through the other rooms. The only place I could really hide in this room was on one of the slabs under a sheet. Eventually, he came to the room and I held my breath. I was never in swimming or anything, so this was agony for me. I heard him shuffling around in there. I couldn't tell if he was lifting up the sheets or anything, but he was definitely looking around. Then I felt the dog's nose peek in under the sheet. He took a couple quick sniffs, then licked my hand and went on his way. But there's more to it. He did it the same way Phillips always used to. When Phillips was a puppy and we were training him, I used to hold the treats in my fist he got into this habit of just burying his nose into my hand and eating the treat. And I was a little girl at the time, so I neither had the ability nor inclination to stop him. Even after we finished training him, that became the way he would greet me. He'd sniff my hand, I would make a fist, and he would burrow his nose in and give a couple licks. So when that dog sniffed my hand, I instinctively made a fist, and he did Phillips' signature greeting. Let me be clear about something. I don't think that was my dog, but I do think the town wanted me to believe that it was. Phillips is dead, and... He has been for a long time. I don't know what that town is or what it can do, but even if that was my dog, it wasn't really my dog. After it sniffed my hand, they left. Not a moment too soon, either, because I was starting to see stars from holding my breath. When the door to the morgue shut, I breathed again and fell down onto the floor. My whole body was weak, and I just needed to lay there for a moment and let my lungs refresh oxygen back into my system. After a moment, I got up and checked the hallway. My pursuer had moved on in his search, and I finally had a second to think. I was still in my hospital gown, so my first step was trying to find some actual clothes. I looked through the other rooms, and one had a closet labeled, Hold for next of kin. I opened it up and there were several bins in there. I rifled through a couple of them before I opened one and found some of my mom's stuff. There was a lighter, a pack of cigarettes, and some clothes, including this old sweater that she always used to wear. I know the town was trying to break me with this, but... It had the opposite effect. It gave me so much hope. You see, I think my mom and Adam were both right. I think this town is a predator that tries to devour whatever it can. But I also think that it has a specific taste. I think Adam was right when he called this place purgatory. Just not in the biblical sense. I think this town needs suffering, but it needs a certain kind of suffering. I think it needs to break people. I think it challenges the people who are trapped in it by making them confront the things they fear the most, banking on the fact that they would rather die than face their fears. This town thought that reminding me about my mom's sacrifice would break me, but it didn't. It emboldened me. When I saw my mom's sweater, I wasn't reminded that she was gone. I was reminded why she went in the first place, to protect me. And that's exactly what she was doing now. It reminded me of her strength and helped me find more of my own. I put on my mom's sweater and was shocked to see that it fit me perfectly. When you're a kid... Your parents look like giants to you, and that never really goes away. So when I put on her clothes and they fit, I was surprised. I left that basement and miraculously didn't encounter a single other soul in the hospital. I ran out the door and started to backtrack my way through the streets. I could still hear whispers from the corners, and I could still hear Dogs barking and running around out of sight, but I just tried to ignore it. While I was running through the town, I put my hands in my mom's sweater and I found the keys to my mother's car. I know that for a fact because it still had a custom keychain I made for her when I was in the third grade. A little ways into the town, I found a gas station that also had a service garage and Want to guess what was parked in there? That's right, my mother's car. And unlike Adam's car, this one fired right up. I drove it out of town, and it died about a mile shy of the gas station where my car was parked. I then hopped into my car and drove back here. By the end, I think the town was just letting me go. I don't know if it got what it wanted from me, or... Determined it wasn't worth the effort or what, but for whatever reason, it let me go. And now, I'm doing the same. I'm having a hard time letting Adam's story go unresolved, but I'm afraid I will never find the ending, and I'll never be able to fully leave that town. So I'm choosing just to let go. I'd like to once again thank all of you for sticking with us, and I have one final piece of the puzzle for you. Thanks to all of your tireless efforts, I was able to whittle down Jack's list a little further, most directly because of Go Green Ranger's discovery of the movie Adam mentioned, and earlier this morning, I made a phone call. I speak with Azure? Hi, my name is Lena, and I just need to let you know that this call is being recorded.
1: Okay, Lena. Uh, Well, what can I help you with?
0: Have you ever gone by the name Adam before?
1: Who are you exactly?
0: I host a podcast. With my friend Jack. We investigate these mysterious tapes she's been receiving in the mail. Tapes that we believe you may have sent her.
1: I'm, I'm sorry, you must have the wrong person. I've, I've never sent anyone tapes in the mail.
0: These tapes are the journal of a man who is trapped in the town of... <laughs> Hello?
1: God, I really thought I was done with that town.
0: I'm sorry, I know this is probably a difficult conversation, but like I said, someone has been sending these to my friend Jack, and I just need to find out who and why.
1: I I never sent them to anyone. I I never wanted anyone to hear them. If she thought they were supposed to be sent to her, I... only imagine how difficult that must be. I'm, I'm truly sorry that she had to experience that.
0: Okay. To be clear, you didn't send them, but are you, you are saying that it was you on the tapes and everything you describe in them really happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's me. and it's all true. I suppose that's why you're recording this. You want to put this on your show?
0: Only with your permission. I just needed to know if you sent them, for my friend's sake. But if you're willing to talk, my listeners have some questions they would like to ask you. I do too, for that matter.
1: I spent so much of my life hiding from the things I talk about on those tapes. I suppose it's only right that now I put it out there for the whole world to hear. So go ahead. Ask your questions.
0: Okay. Just so you know, we can stop this conversation at any time. And if you hang up on me, I'll never call you back or bother you again. Does that work for you, Mr.
1: Please, call me Adam. It's been a long time since I've heard that name. It's kind of nice to hear it again.
0: Okay, Adam. So, if you didn't send the tapes to Jack, what did you do with them? And do you have any idea who did send them?
1: Uh, I threw them down a well in the town. I was hoping it would destroy them. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, uh, but uh, as for who sent them, well, if you listen to the tapes, I think it's pretty evident.
0: The town itself. Most likely. Okay, some of the tapes were just noise, like there wasn't any talking in them. Do you know how many tapes you made? Did you make any that could fit that description?
1: Yeah, I know exactly how many. Ten. There was an unopened ten pack in the office, and I recorded on all of them. I actually even re recorded over some of them. I don't remember exactly what was on each of them, but I think there, there were a few that could have just been noise. Uh, one time I, I set up a trap in the office when the gremlins were getting really bad. God, it's so weird to talk about this again, but, yeah, they usually mess mess with my stuff when I was sleeping, and I wanted to see if anything was coming into the actual office part. Um, One of the times when I woke up, I I saw that the tape had been triggered, Um, but as for the noise on it, I couldn't really make out what was happening. one other tape where I was trying to record the, uh, the, uh, the the thing from the woods you know just to know that I wasn't making it up there was a, another one where I recorded over a tape with me yelling for some time then then shit talking the thing from the woods I suppose that tape never made it down the well so I don't know what happened to that one.
0: Our, our listeners would like to know more about you. Are you willing to tell us about what happened after you left the town?
1: Sure. Um, I went back home. I discovered that my family had had me declared dead. They um, didn't even wait the four plus years I was in there either to do it. They pretty much just did it right away. That didn't really surprise me. We all more or less hated each other. I'm sure my parents wanted to clean up the mess of my disappearance.
0: What do you mean by that? Was there some mystery with you leaving?
1: No, my, my parents knew exactly what I was doing. They hated it. What I mean by mess is if your child is missing, have to keep up appearances that you want to find them. If your child is dead, then you just get everyone's pity. Anyways, I came back home and discovered that they had died only a few weeks prior to my return.
0: Oh no, I'm so sorry.
1: Thank you. Mom. Well, it turned out that my uncle was in charge of my parents' estates. assumed that I was off living some untoward lifestyle and was only showing back up to get my parents money. Uh, I mean, I don't blame him for thinking that. It's a lot easier to believe that than the truth. Uh, He wanted to keep my share of my parents' money, and I fought him on it. Uh, My uncle, pretty much my whole family for that matter, are bad people. I didn't want them to have any more of my parents' money than they were already getting. He ended up relenting pretty quickly when I threatened to expose the family secrets. I signed off on my portion and then cut ties forever. I changed my name to distance myself from the family right before I left on my trip. And got trapped in that town. So it was pretty easy for everyone to have a clean break. I quit practicing law and I moved out here to become a teacher. About all I'm comfortable sharing with, about my personal life.
0: Did you hmm. ever tell anyone about Sam Sullivan?
1: <sighs> yeah, that's actually why I went home in the first place. It turns out Sam's parents had also died while I was away, leaving his next of kin as his brother told him the whole story about how I was the one who killed Sam, I mean, even though it was an accident. I know that it didn't change anything. I'll never forget what he said to me. When I finished my story, he was quiet for a long, very long time. Then he stood up and he looked me in the eyes and he said, He said, I don't hate you. I hate what you did, but I don't hate you. Don't misunderstand me. If I could switch you and Sam's position, I would in a heartbeat. But I can't do that. So instead, I'm leaving it up to you to make it right. I don't know how, but you need to find a way. You need to find a way to try and replace the good that you took out of this world when you killed my brother. Uh, Which is when I started the Sam Sullivan Foundation, uh, which helps to identify and treat mental illness in children and preteens. And as that foundation is the only thing of note, with my new name on it, I assume that's how you track me down. Yeah. Are you willing to elaborate on that?
0: Sure. Um, Your birth name was on the list of potential people on the tapes that my friend Jack made but you were checked off because you were listed as dead. I dug a little more into your family and saw an article about a mysterious third party that received a large portion of your parents' estate. I also found that the Sam Sullivan Foundation was founded that same year with a donation from a mysterious benefactor for the same exact amount of money that was given to this mysterious third party from your parents' estate. I was able to make a few phone calls and dig up the founding board members, and I found your name. And as Azure is a shade of blue, aka your brother's nickname for you, I was able to connect all of the pieces.
1: Well, I'm impressed. And seeing as I never wanted to be found, I guess Sam was able to gain some small level of revenge on me.
0: I have one more question for you, Adam. After you got out of the town, did you end up doing any more research on it or anything? The The main reason I'm asking is because you're not the only person who's been trapped in there and not everyone makes it out. I'm looking for any kind of insight on how we can help anyone else who may get stuck in there.
1: Um, I tried to forget that town the moment I stepped out of it. As for advice, I, uh, I can't speak for anyone else who's been there, but for me, all I can think to say is try not to be the kind of person that the town would want in the first place. If you have something weighing Heavy on your heart. Try to find some way, anyway to make it right.
0: That's good advice. Well, Adam, thank you for your time. Please leave your message. Hey, Jack. I wanted to let you know I talked to Adam. He got out. And he's doing good. Let's get together soon.